Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on GoToDobbs.com today. Crippin' Celebrity Line, happy to be joined by Thomas Drant. He covers the Vancouver Canucks for The Athletic. And earlier today, he said, quote, we got a pretty full-throated playoff hockey from the defending Stanley Cup champions. I wouldn't say they threw their best punch, but I think they brought it last night. And the Canucks took it, and we're not only the victor, but we're also the better team. With that, let's talk with Thomas Strance. Thomas, first of all, thanks so much for the time today. What was your biggest takeaway from last night's game between the Canucks and the Blues? Yeah, yeah I think my biggest takeaway, honestly, is that this is going to be a fun, fast, nasty, physical series. Everything I like about playoff hockey, personally, uh, I loved the energy. Like, I loved the energy. I think both of these teams are extraordinarily talented uh, and we saw a ton of stuff to like. Like, I thought, you know, uh, one of my favorite moments of the game, honestly, was Ryan O'Reilly beating out Quinn Hughes to that long-distance icing, for example, right? And you can just tell with with O'Reilly, like, he's such – there's a, there's a certain predatory processing that goes on when he sort of sizes up opponents and then down the game in real time. And he just you could tell that he knew that Hughes was a little bit gassed and didn't have the Jets. And just that burst of speed, like he looked like Nathan McKinnon out there. It was amazing. <laughs> and uh, and when I just think about, you know, the blues that I watched in the round robin, right? And and sort of the big thing I wanted to see in game one was which blues team would show up. And when I think about game one, I think the blues team that is a real threat in the West showed up last night. Um, if you told me that before the game, that the blues would be physical, nasty, fast, skilled, I would have said, well, they're going to make quick work of the Canucks. But uh, I actually was really impressed with how Vancouver sort of handled uh, a Blues team overall. Like, I think about the first five minutes of the third period and the way that the Blues had heavy shift after heavy, like four heavy shifts, one after the other, basically every line. And for all of that, this Canucks team, which was pretty feeble structurally during the regular season, really had to outscore opponents and lean on Jacob Markstrom. I'm just not sure that there was, you know, a really high-quality chance surrendered as the Blues threw not their best punch overall, but their best punch of the night. And uh, I was, I, you know, I, I had to take that away and just think, man, that was a really, really good performance from the Canucks, and we might actually have a series on our hands. Well, Thomas, look, one of the things the Blues have been known for in the last two seasons, specifically under Craig Berube, has been a disciplined hockey game and Mm. we haven't seen that in the round robin and we certainly didn't see that last night i guess according to the referees we didn't see that (laughs) last night um but look can you speak of the vancouver power play right because our listeners don't get a lot of looks at some of these guys and certainly Pedersen and quinn hughes are two of the big young names i hate those guys already i'm done with them (laughs) yeah bk's done with those guys already um (laughs) Which means they're doing their job. But, yeah, let's talk about that for a second. Maybe the lack of discipline by the Blues and just how good the Canucks power play maybe has been throughout the season and certainly looked good last night. Yeah, it did. And, you know, how funny was it in that first period 
to have the mirror image goals, right? Both goals exactly off, like a quick pass in from the uh, half wall into the bumper spot, and then Perron and, and Bo Horvat basically score the same goal at opposite ends of the rink. And as I saw that, I just thought, how 2020 is this, right? Like, in a world where Adam Oates, the Adam Oates effect, the Washington Capitals, everyone plays that 1-3-1, you know, you, you can see these mirror image power play goals in a way you just never would have. 10 years ago, right? When some teams played, you know, an umbrella, some teams played a spread and on and on. So I, I really enjoyed that because I think both of these teams have loaded power plays. And, and in the NHL, you know, what those mirror image power play goals sort of remind you of, I guess, is that, you know, currently anyway, with, with the tactical similarities that every team seems to have five on four, it's not so much about what you do. It's, it's about who you have doing it, right? And the Canucks have Miller, Hughes, Pedersen up high, and it's just lethal. JT Miller really quarterbacks everything. Like, he's the main initiator. Everyone else is really a shooting option. When when JT Miller has the puck on that left side half wall, which is his downhill side, and, you know, he does this weird thing where he'll fake the wrist shot and go back to Quinn Hughes. Uh, you saw it a couple times last night. That's a pretty lethal move that the Canucks lean on a lot to start some of their actions. Uh, they obviously use the Pedersen one-timer. Uh, we saw him hit a post, and we saw him beat Jordan Bennington with one shot last night. But when he tees it up, uh, you know, there's there's shades of, like, left-handed Stamkos there, right? It, it can be a whisper away from perfect uh, when he gets really teed up and shooting the rubber off the puck. Um, and, and But that's really the deterrent because the main threat is Horvat. The main goal scorer for the Canucks first unit is Horvat in that bumper spot. Um, when they have Toffoli down low, uh, Toffoli's a really good playmaker, finding Horvat in soft areas in the middle uh, of the PK. Uh, Besser's, you know, sort of new to that spot, but he's filled in ably since Horvat, or sorry, since Toffoli left the Canucks lineup with, uh, you know, what, we're, what we know is a lower body injury, but which, you know, unfit to play era. Uh, <laughs> yeah. not officially a lower body injury. Um, but the Canucks' power play is certainly one of the best in the NHL. The first unit uh, could, can really go toe-to-toe with, with some of the absolute best, which includes the Blues and which includes the Washington Capitals. And, you know, overall, uh, the Canucks, you know, they were third in power play percentage, but they were first in the league in terms of five-on-four goal differential. Like, in terms of power play goal differential, they outscored teams on the power play by a wider margin than any other team in the NHL. Uh, they're really good in that area, and, and that's why the discipline is going to be so key for the Blues here. And, and look, I thought I thought some of the officiating both ways, like I, I do think if you're a player coming out of that series, coming out of that first game, if you were to tell me I don't really know what's a penalty or not based on how the game was called last night, I would say, yeah, me neither. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So, so I would say that's a completely fair thing. Uh, that said, you know, I do think both teams played a game like, you cannot tell me with a straight face that both David Perron and Antoine Roussel could not have credibly been thrown out <laughs> with a 10-minute misconduct <laughs> multiple times during that game. Each of them, right? Um, and, and whatever. I like that neither were because that's kind of what brought some of that nasty intent that made the game so riveting for me watching live at Rogers Place. So, um, you know, I, I do think, though, when I think about the Pietrangelo penalty late, right? Uh, I do think that, you know, and, and this is something that I can, I have a little bit of an edge over uh, those of us who watch the games on TV because I'm in building. 
Um, the Blues were on the refs all night. In, in a loud, the Canucks were a little bit, but it wasn't. It wasn't as loud. It wasn't as pronounced as it was for St. Louis. And I do think they. I don't want to say lost focus because it's not that dramatic, but I do think in terms of the game within a game, it took a little bit of their edge off as the game went on. Um, and you know, I do think too the way that the Blues targeted Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson physically, which they should do. They're the bigger team. They're the more experienced team. They're the cup champs. Um, you know, play with that swagger. That's playoff hockey. I love it. Um, you know, in the event with how potent the Canucks power play is, that the games continue to be called like this. Do the blues have to adjust that strategy at all to make sure that it's the five on five game that decides this series? Because I do think if they get into a situation where, you know, the Canucks get too many chances to punish, you know, punish the Blues penalty kill with that power play and especially that first unit, uh, I don't think that's the series the Blues want to be in here. Last question that I've got for got for you. We're talking to Thomas Drance. He covers the Vancouver Canucks for The Athletic. You can give him a follow on Twitter at his name, Thomas Drance, D-R-A-N-C-E. Thomas, in terms of what you saw last night from the Blues, if they are able to keep this as a more five-on-five five, uh, series mm-hmm. moving forward, do you think that the Blues will come out as the better team? Or do you think that the Vancouver Canucks really do have what it takes to upset them in this first round? I picked the Blues in seven going in. I, I see no reason to adjust that after one game. I think when I, when I think about what went well for the Blues last night, you know, one, one of the things that really stands out to me is, you know, Ryan O'Reilly really had the edge in that head-to-head matchup against Pedersen. I, I looked it up post-game. They played eight minutes and 46 seconds head-to-head, Pedersen versus O'Reilly. The Blues outshot the Canucks 7 nothing in that matchup. Um, <laughs> if that wow. If that continues, the Blues are going to win this series. I mean, just straight up. Now, Pedersen doesn't often get outshot like that, right? Like, Pedersen's a really good two-way player, too. He's not he's not a big guy, uh, obviously, but he works really hard. Like, he works with a, away from the puck. This is not your classic skilled player, you know, waiting for the home run pass or looking for the home run plays. This is a guy who plays with details, who cares about defending and doing the right things. Um, typically, he, he, that's not what happens to that line five on five. So we'll sort of see if that adjusts as the series goes along. I suspect it will. Uh, and if it doesn't, I suspect Travis Green, the Canucks head coach, to take full advantage of having last change once <laughs> game three starts. Uh, but, you know, when I look at that, I do still think that the Blues overall talent level and depth should play uh, at five on five if they can you know get back to playing a more disciplined game i do however think especially because vancouver's bottom six like going into the series i thought robert thomas was going to be the key x factor that was essentially going to win this series because if you're a team that has robert thomas who i think is going to be a first line center in the nhl pretty soon probably would be already for half the teams in this league on your third line like that's an embarrassment of riches right (laughs) but when i look at what happened with the bottom six matchups you know the brandon sutter line for the canucks was really good uh the canucks fourth line they didn't play a ton but they played pretty well they spent a lot of time below the blues goal line uh if that if that continues that's not ideal for the blues getting guys like sammy blay and and alex steen back i think would help a lot uh toward that score so you know, some help things will determine this. Uh, but overall, when I look at it, like, I don't know that I'd change a ton if I, if I was St. Louis. I just think, you know, focusing up a little bit, 
doing a little bit more to generate really some of those grind, grindy, grimy, dirty chances in front of the net. I do think they'll have to do a little bit more of that, uh, get their nose dirty in front of uh, Jacob Markstrom in the Canucks crease and, and just, you know, play a little bit more disciplined. You, you put those together, I think you get a pretty different outcome. Uh, so if I'm Craig Berube, I'm not, I'm not too worried. Uh, I think it's sort of minor tweaks as opposed to a major rethink uh, that the Blues need to do if they're going to win game two and ultimately come out ahead in this series. He's Thomas Drance. You could find his work on The Athletic. Follow him on Twitter at his name, Thomas Drance. Really appreciate the time today, Thomas. Appreciate the insights and uh, enjoy the rest of this series, man. I know we're certainly looking forward to game two coming up this weekend. Yeah, hopefully it's just as fun as game one was. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. You got it. That's Thomas Drance joining us here on 101 ESPN.